The Water Values Podcast is sponsored by the following market-leading companies and organizations by the American Water Works Association, dedicated to the world's most important resource, by Black & Veatch, building a world of difference, by Can Do, providing actionable insights from utility wastewater data to improve environmental and public health, by Mentor APM, intelligent asset management software built for water, by 374 Water, pioneering a new era in sustainability by Woodard and Curran, high-quality consulting engineering, science, and operation services, by Interra, innovation and stewardship for a sustainable tomorrow, and by Xylem, let's solve water. This is session 208. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGibson. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my daughter Sarah said, my name is Dave McGimsey and thank you so much for joining me. Great to have you back. I hope everyone is doing terrific and enjoyed the Super Bowl we have a great podcast for you today. Iris Gonzalez, a reporter and columnist with the Philippine Star, joins us for an absolutely terrific discussion on water privatization in the Philippines and the Manila water concessions. And she also uh, highlights some recent legislative action that impacts those water concessions. And so, you know, Iris just has a great perspective on water utility service in the Philippines and how and why certain actions have been taken. So it's it's great to have iris's perspective and i think you're really going to enjoy her story as normal we begin with a hearty thank you to our sponsors the american waterworks association black and veach can do mentor apm 374 water woodard and curran Intera, and xylem what a terrific collection of impactful companies that have decided to support water industry thought leadership and education thank you so much to all those great companies And I'd like for you to do me a favor, if you would, please, if you work for or with any of these sponsors, please thank your boss or thank your contact at the sponsor firm and tell them that you appreciate their leadership in the industry through the sponsorship. You'd be surprised how far that simple little note of thanks will go. And as long as you're letting the sponsors know you appreciate their support of water industry education and thought leadership, why not leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, CastBox, or whatever other podcast directory you're accessing the podcast on. It'd be greatly appreciated and will help others find out about the podcast. Now it is on to our featured guest, Iris Gonzalez. So let's get that water flowing. Well, Iris, welcome to the Water Values Podcast. Great to have you on. Uh, How are things over in the Philippines today? Hi, David. Thank you for having me. Um, It's it's good. It's quite warm here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but um, we're all busy um, waiting for the elections. Um, it's the start of the campaign period, so it's exciting. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've got I'm, a lot of um, uh, presidential candidates. Yeah, so it's going to be a big year for Filipinos this year. Yeah, I bet. I bet. I'm a little jealous that you've, you're in warm weather because I sit here in uh, the freezing cold in southern Indiana. But in any event, thank you so much for coming on. I know we've got like a 13-hour time difference, and so it is uh, uh, a little bit of a challenging uh, schedule to get this done, but I appreciate your flexibility in making this happen. So for those who don't may not know you, Iris, could you tell, uh, tell us a little about your background and how you got interested in water? 
Thank you. Thank you, David. Um, I'm Iris Gonzalez. I'm a journalist. I write for the Philippine Star. It's um, the one of the top three newspapers in the Philippines. It's widely circulated. I cover the economy. Um, I have a regular column aside from doing daily reports. So um, for my assignment, I cover listed companies specifically, um, which uh, include our, our water concessionaires. So they're private, they're public companies. So that's why I'm, I'm focused also on the water industry. Plus, you know, when I was growing up, um, let me tell you this, um, my siblings and I, we would, we didn't have water every day. So we would go to um, a nearby water pump. And if we wanted to take a bath, we had to pump our own water. Um, I don't know if you can imagine how that is really in, especially um, if you're not here in the Philippines, but that takes um, like a lot of energy, especially for <laughs> kids. Yeah. I, I, gave, I bet it gave you a tremendous appreciation for the resource. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, well, against that backdrop, uh, could you could you provide a little history on water utilities in the Philippines? You know, we we know that uh, the and the, the Philippines de, were declared independence essentially on July fourth, nineteen forty six. What happened? after Philippine independence and in the water utility space? The supply system dates back to 1946 after the country declared independence. As you mentioned, um, the post-war government started setting up local agencies, uh, government agencies and institutions to mainly to operate and um, administer water supply and sanitation in the country. Since then, many different agencies have been formed to make sure that Filipinos basically are able to access water from all over the country. It's not just access, you know, David, because um, um, this is an, an archipelagic country. So uh, we're an archipelago. We Most of those in the provinces live by the sea and, you know, um, by the beaches. So there's really a lot of water if you if you think of it um you know just just um uh, seemingly but the the real the the real need is really for clean and um you know clean water not just uh you can where you get it uh, from the ground or from from the beach or from the river basin so that's where the government agencies um, uh, started to come in. They, they, they had to provide Filipinos access to water, clean and safe water, and not just, you know, just water um, where, they can, when, where they can get endless supply from the rivers. Right, right. It's kind of like water, water everywhere, but not a drop to drink. Um, exactly. Yes, yes. So... It's not easy at all. So uh, anyway, going back to the history. So um, it started um, different agencies, different uh, government. Um, there's always uh, an improvement every time. Every administration would like to improve it. And then in 1998, 
um, at the time of um, former President Fidel Ramos, he decided that it was maybe time to privatize um, the water water business because it was also the time when privatization was getting big. Um, it started in other countries in the UK, I believe. And then, you know, we started to see the, our, our government started to see the benefits of privatization. Um, and not only that, it was getting to be a necessity because even our power, the state-owned power corporation, um, through the years of operating, started to be buried in debt. So the same go, the same happened with the water uh, districts or the water agency. So um, because of um, uh, debt, uh, inefficient operations, and not to mention corruption, you know, plus um, the lack of expertise of government, um, government people in government to run a business actually. So that led to a lot of deaths. So similar to what happened to the National Power Corporation, um, the Ramos administration decided to privatize the water, um, the water industry in the country, and um, it was awarded in 1997 to mm-hmm. two high-profile water concessions. Yeah, can you talk about those water concessions? Were were they just complete turnovers or? Uh, how exactly were they structured? Oh, the, 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 that's um, that's a very interesting point. Actually, it's a um, it's a tough discussion. It's there was this regulatory office, Metropolitan Waterworks and Sewerage System Regulatory Office. Before that, um, there was an agency, um, its predecessor. Uh, it was called the National Waterworks and Sewerage System Authority. It was it was um, basically in charge of supplying water to the Philipp- to Metro Manila, um, the the for the most part of the national capital region, and then because they were, you know, not able to um, supply uh, all the households, it was actually a time. You know, I remember I would wake up and. I didn't know if, you know, I there was water in the faucet in the tap at the time. It was very difficult. I think those were the years that my siblings and I would go to the pump to get our own water. So um, the government decided, uh, as I mentioned, to privatize the two water concessions. They divided it into one east and west. Um so, so basically dividing Metro Manila, the, the, the national capital region. And first it went to um, the, the, the two companies. Um, they also invited foreign, foreign, foreign companies to participate. Uh, first, uh, it was the Ayala Group. You, you know, Ayala Corp is the largest conglomerate in the Philippines. Uh, are you familiar with the, with the Ayala Group? I am not. I'd love to hear more about them. Yes, yes. It's really, it's like, it's really the oldest conglomerate um, in the Philippines. And they're into a lot of business. And when the government decided to privatize um, the the water, they were the ones who bid. And then the other water concessionaire is the Pangilinan Group. 
um, he's also a tycoon, Manuel V. Pangilinan. He's a corporate tycoon. He also he also heads a conglomerate, and um, his company is Manila Water Services. So those those are the two water um, companies, water concessions that we have now. Um, Manila is in charge of the East Zone, while the other one, Manila Water, is in is in charge of the West Zone. Basically, the one supplying the water now. Yeah, and, and that that is what kind of caught my eye when I read your article on the concessions in Manila. Is that the, the city of Manila has two different water providers uh, under operating under two concession agreements? It was actually the government um, with in consultation with they they had. Uh, consultants at the time, including the World Bank and the ADB. So when they were trying to privatize it, they felt they had to divide it. It's 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 divided geographically. Okay. To, to for easier um to make to for you to picture it uh, better. So like um as I mentioned, Manila Water um has the East Zone. That's the Ayala Group. So um the cities the, the it's basically eastern part of metro manila or in the national capital region so the on the other hand the the other water concessionaire manila um is in charge of the west zone it's um the western part of metro manila it's it's also near the the southern part um the east how can i describe the east there are a lot of um the more mountainous areas of um, the national capital region is in the east. Now, I, um, I I believe it was easier to divide the the capital region geographically, you know, and it was safer to split it into two concessionaires instead of just one in case something goes wrong, mm-hmm. like you know, um, a, a a bankruptcy or uh, a sudden. Uh, change in leadership, something like that. That was how I, I, I remember covering the bidding of the two concessionaires at that time. So it was pretty much um, explained that way. So it was safer to uh, divide the concessions into two rather than just one and just one company having a monopoly. Uh, I, I forgot to mention, David, though, that they're regulated. It's not like the the government just you know um, just handed over the reins to the two water companies. So yeah. they're regulated until now. Every rate uh, they they have a rate uh, rebasing every uh, every so often. Uh, there's there's a cycle. So they did they discuss the capital investments and then the 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 rate they would charge. It's I'm not sure how much it's gone up, but um, as I keep saying, the most expensive water service is really no water. So that's the price we pay for privatization. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Well, did the concessionaires essentially buy the system, or did they were they just turned over the system and they're operating under some side some sort of license and the regulatory uh, you know rate regulation? when the concession was handed over to them, they basically have a concession over all the assets that was turned over to them. And um, 
the price of the the bid the concession bid was basically uh, basically covered all those assets plus the investments they were willing to make in the succeeding years and the the, the concession was like a 25 year period okay so at at the end of the concession period they they don't get to sell the system right they they're just the operators they don't own the assets they they paid a lump sum of money for the privilege of operating the system and the the opportunity to make a profit while operating that system but they don't own it at the end of the day is that correct yes yes that is correct but what is interesting um david and this is what i forgot to mention um just recently they also passed they, they also applied for a franchise it's a legislative franchise in congress so it's a 25 year franchise um which um means that when their existing concession agreement expires um they they have the right to uh buy the assets this is according to the franchise. Mm. Like, okay, let me, let me walk you through that again. Yeah. When the 25 year, when the existing contract expires, so, so they have, there's, they still need to finish this concession agreement. Right. Yes, right. It's until 2036. If I'm not mistaken, it's, um, it's until 2036. And then um, after that, the, the the franchise they have a public franchise in the Philippines um, when you have a legislative franchise when you when you're a public um, utility uh, you have a legislative franchise so that that's for a twen- another twenty five year period and then um, according to that franchise which was already signed by the president last um, just just early this year January seven um where when when the concession agreement expires and the the franchise uh takes over according to that there is a provision that um they can when 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 the regulator sells the assets they have the right to bid for that that is that is the the that is what the franchise grants them so it's just the right to bid it's not it, it's uh, yes, yes. It's just uh, it, it's like a right of first refusal. Okay, they have the yeah, yeah. So okay, it, okay so, so it's a right of first. They're refusal. given the first crack. Okay, that makes okay. Now, now I'm now I'm on page because I I wasn't getting it um, earlier, but I think I got it now. If I can just summarize where we've been, the concession model was implemented in 1997 to address what we're seeing as uh, inefficient operations by the water utility and, and has, has water system has the, has the operation of the system improved since the concessions went into effect back in 1997? Oh, definitely, David, definitely. A, a lot of people, you know, in the Philippines, in Metro Manila, at least, um, I can really tell you that, you know, we had to have cisterns, the 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 big houses they could afford to have cisterns but the smaller ones we 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 would have um 
giant um, tubs of, you know, where we could put our water, where we could have, you know, stocks of pails and pails of water. So that when there's no water in the tap, we would have it there. It's like, um, it's like there was war or something. You know, you never know when there's water in the tap. So you have to always, ha- um, in your bathroom, you have pails of water ready um, for, for use the next day or whenever. Because the, the, the system, I guess it was the lack of investment from a, a government-run water utility company. So I would say it's a lot, it's really a lot better now because the, the, these private concession, concessionaires, they, they, they need to invest. They're mandated by their concession agreements to invest, um, which would justify their rate, their rate charges or their tariffs. Yeah. And what's the entity that regulates the concessionaires? It's the... Um, Metropolitan Waterworks and Sewerage Company. That's the one for Metro Manila. Okay. For the National Capital Region, I mean. But it's different in the provinces. In the provinces, there are water districts. They're also state-owned. And then they partner. It's called a partnership. They, they, there are private companies as well that partner with the water utilities. So a certain district or a province will... Um, have continuous supply of water. It's basically the same model as in Metro Manila, but on a smaller scale. Got it. Got it. So uh, you also mentioned that the, the franchise has gone into effect and President Duterte signed that uh, January 7th of this year. What's the impact on how the concessionaires will uh, invest or uh, continue to, to supply water? Uh, what's the impact of that the grant of that franchise? You know, I'm glad you asked that question because I don't know also if how much how much you've heard about President Duterte, right? I've heard a little but about him. It, <laughs> he's quite controversial, probably the most controversial president we've we've had. And so in I believe it was in 2019, um, um he threatened to scrap the this was before COVID. I'm not sure the exact date, but he he just to give you a background first, let me tell you about the, our president. He he won on a platform of um, you know, um he, he promised he would fight corruption and crime. And he was very popular. He also promised that he would level the playing field. Um saying that it's always been an elite-driven elite economy. Um, he's, he, one of his taglines or, you know, um, he, or his, his campaign promises, one of that was that he would destroy the oligarchs. And um, the two water concessionaires are considered one of the richest groups in the Philippines. So, um if he was referring to the oligarchs, he was including them definitely. Mm-hmm. And he almost did just that when he he said he would destroy the oligarchs. Um, in as I mentioned, like before COVID, I believe this was in 2019, he threatened to 
revoke the existing contracts, you know, the, the existing contracts of Maynilad and Manila Water, of the two water concessionaires. He said it was disadvantageous to the government and to the customers because the, the, the rates were, you know, the rates were just exorbitant. It was basically a populist, um, populist uh, pronouncement. But in reality, he really called for a review and for several months, he was attacking um, in public the two water um, concessionaires, like really naming names and um, saying in his press conferences that they, they, they were greedy and everything. So there was a review. Um, and that was the, the story I wrote. I wrote about um, that revised concession agreement. Um, it basically was revised. Um, one of the key revisions was that they, the the existing concessionaires can only, you know, raise their rates again after 2022. That's basically after his term ends. He he steps down in May, and um, one of the provisions of the revised contract is that the water concessionaires can only raise their can only charge new rates or higher rates in January 2023. So it, it was quite a populist measure, but we'll see how it goes. Um, my personal guess is that, you know, they may just, they, they held off rates. They, they held off raising rates. So they may just, they may have a one-time, big-time, um, higher rate the next, the, the soon, as soon as they can raise again. Mm-hmm. So... We'll see how that goes. Anyway, I had to tell you that background so you understand now why the franchise, the legislative franchise, is very much um, advantageous for the water concessionaires. Because basically, um, if the next president tries to cancel the contract, they're guided. They have this safe safety net that the franchise still exists. Mm-hmm. So they can still operate because it's because that's at a federal. Yes, it's a federal. It's a legislative franchise. It's it's the law. Yes, that okay. It's, so that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, whereas the the existing contract is only with the government, whereas the franchise is actually a law. Yeah, and so yeah, be, because it's a legislative uh, safety net, as you put, I like I like that framing. Uh, the concessionaires have more of an incentive. They can feel more comfortable about recouping their investment should they choose to invest. Definitely. They're, they're, they're required to invest. And I think with the legislative um, franchise, they will not hesitate to, you know, really go all, all, all in or all out with their investments um, because of this safety legislative net. And, also, um, it's it has a longer life. It has a longer shelf life. So, like their their franchise expires in sorry their contract expires in twenty twenty thirty six if um, I'm correct. Whereas the franchise is until twenty forty six. Okay, good. So let me ask another question. Um, and I, I think you kind of touched on it earlier when you were talking about the most expensive water is the, no water at all. And that that's, there's a notion, uh, in the world today about water as a basic right. Can you talk about how Filipinos view that notion? Yes. Um, 
I, I see it as well that water is a basic right and I very much agree with that. It's actually um, the same with electricity and power. But, you know, the, the David, the reality in this country is just uh, very different. Um, we've, we're, we're not like a third world or not one of the poorest third world countries, but we still are a developing country. And um, while, yes, it is indeed a right, um, I cannot imagine it going back in the hands of the government. So, um, of course, I can speak, I can only speak for um, myself. I'm, I'm sure the, those in um, lower income areas. Uh, would want um, free water services yeah. because you know they see it as a right. I, I agree with them. It is a right, and I think the government sees it that way too. But um, feel that realistically, they can only provide that with the help of the private sector. Yeah, yeah. So I, that's how I look at it. Um, I think um, they recognize it as a right, and they're very well aware of that. But that um, knowing how government uh, corporations uh, failed in the past, they, they, they recognize that giving Filipinos that right or according Filipinos that right would only be possible with the help of the private sector, at least in certain industries. Yeah. Um, and I'm realistic or pragmatic enough to see that but i hope i you know david it's free to dream so i hope that one day (laughs) (laughs) we may we may see a government that is an as efficient as you know a privately run corporation who knows yeah well it's a quite a platonic ideal you're uh you're aiming at there uh iris you've been fantastic i really appreciate you staying up late so that we can um uh, discuss water issues in the Philippines. Uh, I, I, I find your insight into uh, the water concessions in Manila fascinating. And I, I'm so glad you wrote your article and I actually found it. Um, uh, do you have a leave behind message before we, we kind of uh, take this to the end here? I'd like to go back to that point really um, about water as a human right. I very much agree with that. Um, and, Yes, I, 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 I agree that Filipinos um, uh, have, a, have basic rights to access basic um, needs, you know, like water and electricity. And the government, while they sought the help of the private sector to provide that, it, it doesn't absolve them um, from, you know, ensuring that this right indeed is accorded to every Filipino. How can they do this? Um, perhaps um, more powerful regulation, ensuring that indeed private companies such as the water concessionaires or even the power distributors, the, the privately owned power companies, really provide the services um, that they charge for, you know, that, that Filipinos will be able to to get what we pay for. Um, for now, um, I can speak for my area. I'm we we have quite an efficient service in terms of the water and electricity, but um, there are areas in the Philippines 
um, I know that are not getting enough of these basic services. And um, I think the only way that can improve is for government to step up its regulatory powers, just so indeed that, um, you know, Filipinos would really enjoy this basic right, as you put it. And I agree with you. It is a right, very basic right. Um, that's it, I guess, David. Thank you so much. <laughs> you bet. Thanks, Iris. I really appreciate your time. And for those who want to find out more about you and your work, where can they go to get that information? Um, I'm, I'm on social media. Um, uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I have the same handle. It's Ice Gonzalez. Um, it's E-Y-E-S-G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-S. Thank you. Thank you so much again for having me. You bet, Iris. I really appreciated speaking with you, and I look forward to reading more stories in the future and uh, keeping an eye on those concessions in Manila. So thank you so much for your time, and uh, have a great 2022. Thanks so much. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye. Well, Iris was absolutely phenomenal, and I'm glad I now have a friend in the Philippines. So thank you so much for your time, Iris. I know um, the time difference know, was, was not the easiest thing to work around, Iris, but thank you so much uh, for making the concession, no pun intended. Uh, well, I'd love to find out what you thought about that interview. Please check out the show notes page for links and information on this episode. Just Google the Water Values Podcast, click the first link that comes up that gets you to our landing page. Again, Bluefield Research and the Water Values LLC are not affiliates. We just have a joint marketing arrangement. And part of that Bluefield gives us a home on the web. So thank you to the folks at Bluefield. You can also tweet about the podcast using the hashtag water values and tweet at me using my handle at DTM one nine nine three. You can email me at david.mcgimsey at dentons.com and you can sign up for the newsletter at that landing page as well. Thank you again for tuning in and I hope you make it a great day. Plus, I want to give another huge shout out to our fantastic sponsors. Again, sponsors of the Water Values podcast include the American Waterworks Association, Black and Veatch, Can Do, Mentor APM, 374 Water, Woodard and Curran, Intera, and Xylem. This show would not be possible without those great companies and industry leaders. And thank you again for your support and for listening. It feels terrific to be a part of this great water industry with such caring and dedicated participants. And I'm so happy that I get to hear from you and interact with you on a daily basis. In closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values Podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource. So please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. listening to the Water Values Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me. Well, thank you for tuning in to the disclaimer. I'm a lawyer licensed in Indiana and Colorado, and nothing in this podcast should be taken as providing legal advice or as establishing an attorney-client relationship with you or with anyone else. 
Additionally, nothing in this podcast should be considered a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer that finds water issues interesting and that believes greater public education is needed about water issues. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water.